0: Welcome back to the They Talk Sex podcast. Welcome to the second season. I know some of you missed me very much because you told me online in email and social media. Uh, hi, my name is Elle Stanger. I am an ASECT certified sex educator and longtime adult entertainer, among other things. You can find me at lstanger.com and all over the internet. Now on Pornhub. Uh, I'm not kidding. And we're going to talk about. Submissive sexuality. Today, this is the Ask a Submissive episode. Welcome to our guest, Lena Dune, aka Ask a Sub. Hi, Lena.
1: Hey, thank you so much for having me. I love the pod, and I'm very excited to talk all things subby.
0: Yeah, I love your Instagram, and you have a new podcast. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We just wrapped up our first season, um, and it's also called Ask a Sub, and it's just question and answer sub stuff
0: awesome okay we're gonna do a bunch of that here today so lena you can find her if you don't follow her already on instagram and twitter at ask a sub and your patreon for subscribers is patreon.com forward slash ask a sub my therapist before was like have you seen these these memes oh my god (laughs) Yeah.
1: I found that I'm kind of popular with therapists because uh people love to communicate indirectly through memes and humor. So therapists are like, "Ooh, we can kind of address this through a cute picture instead of, you know, mm-hmm. seriously and scarily."
0: Mhm. So a little bit more about Lena, you are a bisexual submissive, you are in a 24/7 dom sub relationship, and you are a proponent of healing BDSM. Me too. Um On Instagram, you make kink-centered memes, you give DS relationship advice, and you serve as a fairy sub mother to so many. Um, So let's dive right in. Can you explain what a 24-7 sub is?
1: Yeah, um so 24/7 sub, uh when most people hear that phrase, they think, "Oh no, you're being led around on a leash in the grocery store, you are locked in a cage all the time, you don't make any decisions for yourself and maybe you don't even want it that way and like, oh no." Um <laughs> but there's a there's a big difference between um consensual dominance and submission and um, forced submission or kidnapping, which is kind of what that sounds like. Mm. Um, I am a 24-7 sub because I choose to engage in my relationship using the language of BDSM sort of as a baseline. So my partner and I um, have always related to each other as dom and sub in all ways. And um, the more that our relationship grew and developed, we just continued to find that language of consent and active negotiation to be Helpful to us, it was foundational to how we knew each other. So it has continued um, as long as our relationship has continued, and we're we're married now, um, mm-hmm. and it's all just been under this umbrella of DOM sub stuff. So anything that I do. Is consensual and negotiated, and it's something that I find to be really um, pleasurable. Like certain choices, I don't want to make, like being told <laughs> what drink to order when we're out, for example. Like I just get paralyzed by choice, which may be undiagnosed ADHD. Still trying to figure that out. But Fine. you know, there's there's definitely like a lot of great stuff that I've negotiated to be relieved of having the need to decide. Or just giving up that kind of power exchange in ways that um, just make me happy. So yeah, twenty four seven subs essentially are people who are living in a very specific way that makes them happy.
0: Mm-hmm. And to just to relate to some of that, like I love sometimes like not having to make the decisions where I'm just like, can you tell me where 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 are we getting dinner tonight? Or like, what Ugh. should I make? Just fucking tell yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like ninety percent of relationships deciding where to eat. <laughs> yeah, or what to watch. Um. Okay, so how long have you and husband been together as like a, a partner or circling each other sexually?
1: Yeah, we've been definitely um, circling <laughs> for um, like five years going on. Um, so, yeah, we started as a very like high protocol, bedroom only, dom-sub Um situation where we really only related to each other in scene and then outside of that it was just like we were living our respective lives but then you know as the uh devious sub that i am i kind of like wedged my way into his heart. <laughs> and then, you know, and then we just sort of continue to use that framework to like develop a more loving and not that DS isn't loving or that it can't be even just in scenes, but we've developed a more uh, a deeper relationship where we can do laundry together and go out to a movie and live dom sub outside of like the scary dungeony, like cuffed up and getting whipped scenario.
0: <laughs> Which is also fun sometimes. Oh, we love um, it. Again, to relate to this, I um, I've said before that one of the things that turned me on is um, fucking with gender roles, but like also mm. playing into gender stereotypes. So, mm-hmm. you know, like if I'm doing the dishes and my man partner is building a fire, then sometimes that feels kind of kinky to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, like even just the idea of like doing these things, and you're like, ooh, 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 ooh the taboo of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm barefoot mm-hmm. in
0: the kitchen right now. Yeah, I was uh, asking Manfred to help me uh, build a closet, and so he's doing the drill. And not that I can't do the drill. I've done it before, but like fuck, oh, yeah. I want to watch I want you you do the drill like, "Hot, you do it." And so I'm watching him. He's drilling and then like he he brushes some brushes some some shit, some dust away. And I thought instinctively like, "Oh, I should wipe it. I should clean it." Like that's what I do. Mm-hmm. And instead I just kind of stood there. This is like a week ago. And he says, "Okay, do your thing." And I was like, "Ooh, you want me to <laughs> do my like it's like again that implied awareness of the roles and how you show up in practice Mm -hmm. can be so Mm -hmm. kinky
1: it is and it's like everyone every relationship has housework and like drudgery and like doing the dishes and whatnot and the more that that can be hacked to be like ooh, you want me to do the dishes like (laughs) that like just makes life so spicy when when you really need it especially in a pandemic
0: and everything else Mm. that's going on yeah true so how did you discover you were subby
1: um, it's almost more like the subbiness discovered me and then I figured it out a long time after that. Go um, on. because I think that I was, so I'm a very like, people wouldn't expect this hearing sub, but like in my day-to-day life, I'm very like take charge and I'm like, I'm, I'm an older sister. I've always been like, I have all the answers. Mm. Um, and I have always sort of been in this role of being in charge of everything and trying to do my best and a perfectionist. And that followed me into my vanilla relationships very strongly, where I think I was sort of non consensually cast in the role of mommy to several Ooh. male partners. Where Ooh. mommy is hot if you're doing mommy on purpose, but yeah. I am not mommy on purpose. So, oh, um, and so I think that that just fueled like this heavy resentment that I didn't completely understand in my early 20s. And I, Broke up with my long-term partner to start doing things that were like my like proto idea of kink, like just like with random partners being like, hey, smack me around, call me names, spank me, this and that without really having the language of, mm-hmm. of DS um, and feeling really bad about myself about all that. Like, ooh, I don't mm-hmm. like to be in these normal relationships and I feel bad about myself when I do the thing I actually like. So like, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. And what was missing was just the language of consent and mutual respect and aftercare and negotiation and safe words and all of this infrastructure that that formalized BDSM gives us to make sure that we're taken care of when we're doing this stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we live in patriarchal systems where typically men have most of the control anyway mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and access to banking and land and property and business you know, transactions. So Like we are in this big bubble container and like with the awareness of that, that can be kind of an act of protest for me where it's like I'm Mm -hmm. choosing to objectify myself in a way that benefits me because I get to come. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And you get to reclaim it on your own terms. And like arguably, that's why a lot of people import themes of their external oppression into the world of BDSM, because it's almost like exposure therapy in that you get to take this thing that makes you feel maybe scared or threatened or disempowered in the real world and say, I'm doing this on my terms, where I can say no. Like the example I always give, it's like if someone were to like yell uh, you know, a word at me from a moving car, I would feel terrified. But if that same word mm-hmm was used like, while I'm getting my hair pulled like by my partner in a way that I told them I want to hear it. It's like the context makes all the difference.
0: Mm-hmm. And you have layers and layers in history of trust and positive experiences mm-hmm. with the person that you're choosing to interact with. Totally. Right. So who is your primary audience? I know this can be tough for online or just any media creators to know like who's consuming my stuff, you know, who's looking at it. But in your experience, who do you hear from the most? Like, Identity or age group wise, do you know?
1: I do. I think I, I think I have a pretty good handle on them because, um, well, subs first of all, Um, yeah, and and subs, um, as it turns out, are some of the kindest and most wonderful people on the internet to make content for because you'll get these emails that are like, "Hi, excuse me. Um, I hope this is okay, and if if it's all right, (laughs) I'm just, I just want to let you know that you changed my life and thank you very much, and I just hope you have a nice day. Bye. Yeah. Hope that um, wasn't inappropriate. Yeah, yeah. I hope I didn't cross any boundaries by letting you know that uh, the work you're doing is very significant to me. So <laughs> yeah. that's the that's the feedback I get. But I am largely, I think that those people are um, younger millennials and um, gen- like older Gen Z um, is sort of my sweet spot. And then. Mm. Um, but then there are people from all walks of life around that and and I do get a heavy amount of queer people but as my platform has grown um it is definitely like people from all walks of life all orientations and like even you know gasp men are right. are there and they're like consuming the content like respectfully and quietly most of the time mm-hmm. um and yeah so it's it's definitely like a broad spectrum but mm-hmm. right in that Gen Z millennial zone
0: that's so interesting um something that comes up for me and I'm curious what your thoughts are but like to be a submissive man is so not as supported as to be a submissive woman or femme and Mm -hmm. I think we see that when we look down on men and call them like cucks or simps which like you know the real cucks and simps they fucking love it they're like yes I live to serve you know it's it's not (laughs) an insult so I think that's one of maybe the nice things that you might experience is that you get a lot of women who identify with it. And then the men subs, it's probably nice to see some sub content, but I just wonder if they're going to consume it more quietly because they're not as supported. Does that make sense?
1: No, it totally does. And and while all genders have like very gendered shit around submissiveness, I think men particularly are coming up against this like idea that you know like many men and the root I think for a lot of men of misogyny is that you're brought up with this idea that vulnerability makes you less of a man so Mm. if you identify as a man and you want to be vulnerable that feels like very risky because you've been policed in this very specific way by mostly other men your whole life and then approaching submission, it can just like bring up a lot of that like self-hatred and self-judgment. And um, what I think can be really tragic for male subs is that they can sort of enter this world of kink where all of us who are already sort of in it are are very um, uh, within the sphere of feminist thought and queer thought where we're kind of like braced against cis men, like they are Mm -hmm. all, you know, bad and Mm -hmm. in fact some of them aren't and I Mm -hmm. think that those male subs can sometimes be kind of taken for granted or like yeah like I get to enact my anger at the patriarchy through this sub and my heart just sort of breaks for that because I, I see submission as this really important vulnerable space to like radicalize yourself and and when we're like you know enacting these sort of power narratives, even if they are the ones that need to be disrupted in society, it can kind of miss the individual in a way that's really
0: sad. Mm hmm. Uh, Something that came up recently was I was speaking to a woman who was explaining to me how she had been. Um, violently um, hit by her male partner uh, multiple times. She was telling me how many times she counted this. And this was not consensual. He was um, Mm -hmm. in a state of intoxication. And uh, later she said to me, he wants me to peg him and I'm going to do it because this is how I'm going to get my revenge.
1: Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. I thought,
0: ah, fuck, because a sex act is not supposed to be an act of revenge. So I understand Mm -hmm. where she's coming from. But then also, if he asked her to do it, it's consensual. So... It's not really revenge but again it's like that that equating of like penetrating men to like putting them down or punishing them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the way that we counteract I think those sort of external power things and like you know deal with this stuff is more to like shed a light on it than to like perpetuate violence right back if we you know if we can mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and you know of course it's like super thorny and and hard to say cuz it's like you know people who have received abuse like I want them to be able to have revenge but you know it's it's just it's just incredibly um tricky to use sex to punish um and it's funny right. me saying that because i think people see ds as like oh yeah you're getting punished but it's like not in like a carceral police state way like in a yeah. in a fun love language way that i've like consented to and and, and created with my and partner it's play it's
0: play mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so less uh less fun stuff. Um, what kind of criticisms, if any, do you, do you receive, do you experience about your work or your media?
1: Yeah, you know, when I created the account, I was like, yes, I am finally going to address the religious trauma of my youth and fight all the conservatives on the internet. Like, (laughs) I was so psyched. I was like, take that, youth pastor. Let's get this cracking. Like, who has a problem? And then, um, what it turned out to be much more often is that, um, people within my own communities have, have very strong issues with what I do, um, at times, not always, but, um, the main criticism and feedback I get is from, people who identify as feminists and who have interpreted feminism to mean that me as a woman doing anything but being really strong and powerful in their conception of what that is, is sort of a betrayal to feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is something I've talked about at length, and I can't say for sure whether submission is feminist or isn't. um, Or what feminism really even is at a certain point because you just mm-hmm. get looped up in circles. But um, I do get that criticism like a fair amount and then a fair amount of, um, you know, queer people um, will will sort of look at or queer women mostly will like look at the fact that I'm a submissive to a cis man and and say like, well, that's, you know, your, it's a betrayal of, of your queerness um, to, to even engage with him sexually. And um yeah, I mean, hmm. people there's going to be a subsect of the population that I will never win over and never convince and I am okay with that. But yeah, it's it's um important to say that like I'm making consensual choices and very happy with them. So
0: Good. Then that's what matters. And as you were saying that the uh the argument that like being a submissive is not feminism, that's the same argument I hear as being a sex worker is not feminism. Yeah. Um not the same. I'll say it's similar because the motivations are different. Like f- uh, sex work is inherently a labor rights issue and submissive sexuality is a sexuality self issue but these things are impacted again by the patriarchy so Mm -hmm. when you know when people are like what is feminism in sex work well i don't know is it survival and that's the best we're gonna do um Mm -hmm. because there's some people who are submissive to their partner because that's how they survive are they Mm -hmm. being feminist no they're not allowed to be feminist they're trying to survive And again, some people do work that others would see as very demoralizing or gross. And -hmm. that's nice that people get to have their decisions sometimes. We should all be able (laughs) to make those decisions, but some folks don't. So
1: yeah, yeah, just seeing some parallels
0: here. It's like everybody has to make their own choices and there's a lot of variables.
1: Totally. Yep. I mean, it's something that I, I talk about a lot that maybe might apply in both situations, which is the the window test is what I call it, where if you look in through the window at, you know, a Dom sub scene where maybe the sub is an impact bottom and is receiving uh, pain play from the Dom and is crying, you mm-hmm. would see that from the outside and you'd be like, Oh my God, this person's being hurt, but mm-hmm. you're missing the part where that person on the inside is like euphoric or like enjoying it or like at, you know, this is mm-hmm. what they do. And so it's like when we from the outside, based on the context clues that we can glean, not knowing someone's specifics go, this is wrong, then like that kind of like moral panic, like, I don't know who it's serving, definitely not me. Um, and definitely not sex workers who people interpret to be, you know, doing things that they don't agree with. And it's like, well, you don't know.
0: Mm-hmm. I've definitely had that before, too, where I'm like crying and also like euphoric and saying stuff like, I hate you, but really, it's like, <laughs> I love you.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. sexuality is complicated and, like, you know, filthy and interesting and, like, mm-hmm. deep psychological stuff goes on. So, like, one person's thing is not going to be another person's thing shot by shot. So we can't, from the top down, be like, well, this kind of thing is okay and this kind of thing isn't. We just have to leave it up to people to consent and plan and be safe.
0: Yep. And to push on their own edges how they see fit. You know, those, mm-hmm. like, spicy, like, chili pepper eating contests where people yeah. – Eat like the world's hottest chili peppers, genetically modified until they're, mm-hmm. like, crying and puking and snotting and they're going to have diarrhea <laughs> for a week. And it's, like, either to win a prize or just for bragging rights. Like, they're doing this consensually. No one's forced, yeah. hopefully.
1: Yeah, but we're not, like, concerned trolling the-, the pepper-eating, you know, competitions. Yeah. We're not standing outside picketing it. It's, like, we understand because sex isn't involved that those mm-hmm. people are using their choice. But, like, when it's-, when it's women or when it's sexuality, it's, like, oh, God, we got to step in and save them.
0: Yep. So, to the nicer... What kind of positive feedback do you get besides sweet, shy subs in your DMs?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, it's really interesting because what I did not expect from doing this work was how people who aren't even kinky would connect with it. Mm -hmm. Um, so like one example of feedback that like really, um, warmed my heart when we did the podcast was, um, that I, um, a friend of mine shared the podcast with someone she knew who was like a man, like older millennial man, like in his like, you know, early forties, I think who was going through a divorce with multiple children and like, listened to the podcast, like for fun and then discovered like oh shit, like there's a world out there where people can say what they want and talk about it. And like, that's okay. And just like providing that model, I think, to people who are not in the kink world, like that, yes, I can go out, for example, and like have something that people consider really extreme, like a piss kink and just go talk to people about it and get that, like that more extreme example, I think lets everyone have a little more space to like live out loud and think that like the things they want are okay. And yeah, I did not expect that, but I'm so happy to occupy that space. That like, if people find me very extreme, and I'm like happy and having a nice life, they can be like, "Hey, like my much less extreme thing, which is all relative, can happen, which is, you know, freedom."
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. So everybody, go if you haven't already on Instagram and Twitter, look up Lena Dune at Ask a Sub and her patreon dot com forward slash Ask a Sub. I am also on Patreon dot com forward slash strange bedfellows you see journals and snaps and selfies and boobs and bush and all the things I can't put on Instagram but I'm so proud of uh let's take a break phew summer is here and my vulva is sweaty and itchy and a little irritated so i'm going to use the salve from momotaro apotheca and maybe take a nice cool bath with their oil as well try momotaro apotheca or oshihana products that's o-s-h-i-h-a-n-a or momotaro apotheca m-o-m-o-t-a-r-o apotheca.com and use my instagram handle Stripper Writer for a discount <music> Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. This is the Ask a Submissive episode. Find us online, theytalksex.com. You'll see some recommended products and sponsors and affiliates that I like and enjoy. And if you use any of the discount codes, I might get a commission. So if you disagree with that, then don't use the discount codes, but you can still enjoy those products. So let's do... Some listener questions because this is the Ask a Sub episode. Nina, <music> what are some red flags to a potential dominant partner?
1: Um, yeah. There, <laughs> where do I begin? Um, mm-hmm. no, uh, they uh, so traditionally when people figure out that they're submissive, the first place they go is to the apps or to FetLife, and they start having interactions with people who identify as doms. And for the most part, people who are out there and say that they are doms tend to be people who have consumed a certain type of porn or who have like read erotica or who have just sort of like absorbed the themes of bdsm from culture and what they're missing is the like for example like in in bdsm porn like the performers have this um, you know opportunity behind the scenes and some porn is actually including this on camera more but Mm -hmm. like this opportunity to be like these are my limits this is what i won't do this is how we stop this is how i safe word but these people who have just sort of like it's as though they've just like watched a movie and they're like, well, this is what real life is like. And they go out and they're like in DMs with people being like, bend down and kiss my boot and worship me. And it's like, well, hang on. Like, why? What, why? Yeah. How would yeah, like, you earn that? Why?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> why do you think you um, earned that as a dom? It's like they watched Fifty Shades Grey. <clears throat> Almost like those movies are terrible.
1: Yeah, those movies. God, they're they're more toxic to society than a, you know probably a list of a thousand things I could spend the rest of the podcast talking about. Yeah, right. But um, yeah. So so when people start having these interactions with these people that call themselves doms but are just sort of replicating Fifty Shades of Grey, which in itself, like shot for shot, everything is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Then these submissives who have no other grounding in what. Kink culture is like. Will say, "Oh, I guess this is what how it's done." And if I'm uncomfortable with the way this person is talking to me, then that's on me because this person understands the community and I don't. So,
0: mm-hmm. I can or figure, hmm. or or I'm supposed to feel this way because I'm a sub. So yeah, I'm, supposed I'm supposed to, to feel bad. Lesser. Yeah. No.
1: Oh God, you're yeah. so sad. But yeah, so it's like I could you know list off red flags um, all it. day. Let's,
0: yeah. Can we list and, like when and I can. Yeah. let's <laughs> list like but five
1: like, yeah five okay five off the top of my head I think like the very first one is initiating a dynamic with you without negotiating it like mm-hmm. the first message is like calling you baby girl or like a slut or they're saying like you know mm-hmm. worship me or any of these things without ever being like hi how are you what kind of movies do you like to watch you know mm-hmm. how, how do you feel about sparkling water you know just having a <laughs> normal conversation <laughs> Um, that's a problem. Um, mm-hmm. and then, Refusing yeah. to give,
0: um, references. Yes. Not like that having is them like, isn't necessarily bad if they're like new, but just say that you're new. Yeah. Just
1: admit then and, and be vulnerable. Like that's a huge key thing to being a dom is just being vulnerable and honest about your experience. Um, I'm
0: learning how to dom. I'd love to learn with you.
1: How hard is that? Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then another great one to keep an eye out for is people who kind of poo-poo or shit on or, like, don't um, have respect for people's limits and for mm-hmm. safe words. Mm-hmm. So, like, if they're not, first of all, if they're not, like, open to your limits, that's a huge problem. But then if they're not solicitous of your limits, like, hey, what are your limits? Tell me and make that conversation easy. Mm-hmm. That's somebody to be wary of. But then there are people out there who are literally, like, limits? Real subs don't have limits. Like, you'll just do whatever I tell you. No. And it's like, mm- know, <laughs> yeah. you need limits to thrive um, in mm-hmm. every area of life, but especially submission.
0: Mm-hmm. And also limits are helpful because then it's like, I know what, like kind of where to push it or just what to entirely avoid. I tell people, and my podcast listeners know this, that I will say, I don't like spitting. Like personally, mm-hmm. I just don't. And don't put anything in my butt without asking. But otherwise, mm-hmm. like those are my main ones, you know, two mm-hmm. things, super easy to avoid.
1: Super easy. And then that person's like, oh, great. So like, if I was going to start with spit, I can start with something else. And it's like, no skin off their teeth or whatever. Yeah, whatever this thing is. Whatever that weird. um, Yeah. (laughs) But like, it's not taking anything away from anybody. Your limits and boundaries are just like, it's like if somebody's a painter and you say to them, well, you can only paint on this canvas. You can't just throw the paint willy nilly around the room. A good painter's gonna be like, yeah, why would I want to throw the paint everywhere? I want to paint on this canvas. So like, if somebody responds to your limits by being like, I must throw paint all over your refrigerator, then it's like, well, okay, well, obviously, you're not somebody that's going to work for me.
0: Mm -hmm. So we listed a few, what's like one or two more? Um...
1: Yeah, I think another great one is like people who are, um, I mean, just dismissiveness in general is something that's like really difficult. Like if it's hard to talk to somebody, that means something like it's like doms are not like, otherworldly like aliens it's like oh of course it's difficult to talk to a dom like no doms are people and you should sort of bond on a level where you feel heard and it's easy to just chat and like have reciprocity
0: Mm -hmm. yep definitely oh here's one i think of um if you witness the dom violating other people's privacy or consent or boundaries so like Mm. for example if someone sends you nude photos of someone else like one of their other subs you might ask, did they give you permission to share that?
1: Yeah. You know, like and see how understand. they respond. Yeah. Totally. Um, and and yeah, and doms who are just like, I don't know who see their subs as, as disposable or who are like, oh, that sub was crazy, like doing that thing like Ugh. about their exes or whatever, like Ugh. just, you know, have basic respect for human beings. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. a good place to start. The other one that I have, which is, controversial but i believe in it wholeheartedly people are allowed to be mad at me about it but i think that doms should be vetted on their politics immediately because Mm. if they do not have a strong sense of how power functions in the outside world if they're not like understanding of black lives matter if they don't know that like you know women should have or people should have the right to like get abortions like these people are probably missing some stuff in their Mm -hmm. intimate lives as well so like to me it's like don't get in bed with somebody who doesn't understand how power functions in the outer world.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder why you catch flack for that. That seems like <laughs> I, I literally made T-shirts uh, for a couple of years that said, I only fuck feminists. And I'm not saying you have to only fuck people that identify with, you know, as being a feminist, because again, it's a loaded term. But like, again, like you want to interact with someone who's going to have, yeah, basic ideas about like human rights or equality or equity. Mm -hmm. I wonder Mm -hmm. if, I mean, sometimes I've seen partnerships between people that only function because they don't talk about social issues. They ignore them, absolutely, because they know they're not compatible. But the sex is good and they like hanging out. I definitely know couples like that. Some people probably don't want to hear that shit.
1: (laughs) <laughs> they, they they exist and just for me and maybe for other subs too it's like when i am in a scenario where i'm as vulnerable as receiving impact play or as being in bondage like mm-hmm. i need my lizard brain to know that i trust this person and like for me as a queer person as a woman i like simply cannot trust somebody who i'm not aligned with politically so like that, but that's just for me. And it is a great way, though, too, to, like, establish that reciprocal respect and understanding and trust with somebody to learn that you're on the same page about this kind of stuff.
0: Yep. Very well said. So <laughs> can we move on to listener question number two? Yes. What are some red flags about potential submissives? And then how can we address these things? I think you kind of said something earlier. Um, Clementine Morgan said something about this on a season one episode, but she said if you as a submissive, like don't share what your limits are or don't tell when you don't like something, then you're not reliable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's, um, it's, it's like the inverse of that, you know, paint on the canvas scenario where you didn't provide anybody with a canvas. And then you're like, why is there paint not on the canvas? It's like, well, because you didn't tell somebody. And so like, yes, subs who are also bottoms who like receive Um, impact or bondage are sort of physically more at risk than DOMS. DOMS are Mm. also highly at risk for emotional stuff, like top drop, for example, is something that's very real. And when you set them up for shame or for failure by not telling them what's going on, then that is unsafe behavior and is something that you need to take responsibility for.
0: Oof, top drop. Can you explain that a little?
1: Yeah. So there's sub-drop and top-drop. I don't know why it's not sub-drop and dom-drop or top-drop and bottom-drop. It's just the, <laughs> these are the terms. But top-drop um, is basically, um, from what I understand, it's a form of postcoital dysphoria where after sex you have this sort of deflated feeling and, um, and it can be brought on by feelings of shame. It can be brought on by literally nothing also. So that's why we practice aftercare in BDSM is to address Feelings and physical sensations that might come up after um, scene. But in the case of top drop, it can be brought on by stuff like the bottom being unresponsive, like checking in and saying, how's that feel for you? And the bottom's like, mm, fine, you know, and then you don't know what you're supposed to do because they say like... Nothing you're not a mind reader so right. um, it's important for subs to invest in the idea that their Doms are real people and that their internal worlds need just as much information and reassurance as yours do like they're not machines
0: mm-hmm. um, yeah mm-hmm. so what are some other that makes sense to me what are some other red flags about a potential submissive um, also yeah. oh I don't I mm. don't have a safe word or I don't use safe mm. words I'm not playing I don't play with, with safe someone. words.
1: Totally. Yeah, that's that's a big one. And it's funny because I think a lot of people hear safe word and they're like, well, why can't no just be good enough? Um.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to be very fun if I want to struggle play. I can't say no, because now you (laughs) exactly if I want to struggle, you need to know when you actually need to stop. And that is banana. (laughs)
1: <laughs> totally. And and in that case, banana maybe comes with a, a plan of attack and it comes with like, okay, now you need to hold me. We need to get a glass of water. We need to mm-hmm. like put on some down-tempo music until like, I chill out. Um, mm-hmm. But then like what's interesting also about a safe word like banana or like the color system or whatever is that you don't have a lifelong history of hearing banana in shaming and difficult and bad situations uh. and banana doesn't make your nervous system flare up like you're being rejected So having safe words in place is not only to facilitate like consensual, non-consent or struggling. It can also be for like, I don't, I want to be able to experience your no without the baggage of the word no.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a silly word. um, I've heard this from folks that using like a really silly word, like, I don't know, spaghetti zombies or something. Like (laughs) You know, yeah, it's silly. It's like totally out of context. It can lighten Mm -hmm. what was a very serious you know interaction before,
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. And or just like words with absolutely no context at all, because sometimes for some people, like some subs are so afraid of calling safe words that, um, using something like yellow or red can be easier, more accessible mm-hmm. for them because they are like, just like, well, I'm scared, or it's not silly, or I'm you know, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there can be scenarios where it's like it needs to be more neutral, and and so, like, that's totally valid too. It's just whatever works for you, but yeah, the word no. Has never really had a plan attached to it unless you specifically negotiate a plan.
0: Mm -hmm. Listener question three. Do you know where your rope safety gear is? Do you use rope, Lena?
1: I don't really, so... (laughs) oh no! (laughs) Right. No, it's okay, but I can still I can still approach yeah. the question. Yeah. So
0: the question is: Do you know where your rope safety gear is, and could you reach it in an emergency? Do you know what sensations to watch for regarding possible nerve damage? So this would be a really big one for people that are trying to do rope, like um, like shibari, like hanging.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Because yeah, or an, yeah.
1: or really any tie um and mm-hmm. and I've, I've i've been in rope i've done it before it's just not something that like is happens a ton for me um mm-hmm. but yeah i do know that like tingling in your extremities is definitely something you need to look out for and having rope specific safety shears on hand and in, in case of an emergency like here in california we are lucky enough to have earthquakes and mm-hmm. <laughs> i know somebody who was in a self-tie during an earthquake and <gasps> thank god the safety shears were nearby it wasn't like a super bad earthquake but like
0: oh my god you know you
1: think that you are controlling all the possible scenarios and it's like what if the sprinklers go off in your building what if you know so like yeah having having a quick escape is really really important
0: Mm
1: um yeah from what I remember from the rope classes that I've taken it's it's important to have those safety shears nearby
0: Mm -hmm. so good reminder that question that that's also a good thing to ask um your partners like what safety precautions do you use do you have Mm any First aid training.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, what? Are, what would you do in the event that, like, you know, because people can, you know, during impact pass out. Um, and as a sub, if you're if you're prone to that, even if you don't expect it to happen, it's really important to let the dom know and to talk about what to do in the case that that happens. To put yourself in an impact stance that minimizes injury, if that were to happen, like this Mm -hmm. is serious stuff and it's really important to not be like coy and afraid of saying what might happen.
0: Mm -hmm. So this goes nicely to listener question four. Do you provide aftercare for yourself or is it provided to you? What is most effective for you, Lena, in that regard?
1: Um, so aftercare really for anybody should just be whatever regulates their nervous system. So a lot of people don't co-regulate. They don't want to do it with other people and they do want to like have private time after a scene. Um, I am the opposite. I like really like to co-regulate with my partner. Um, Snuggle. And so in a way that is like providing it for myself, right? Just to be like, well, this is what I want. So let's do it together. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, like non-sexual cuddling is really important for me, um, sometimes I can I really enjoy like queuing up on YouTube like they have these loop videos of just like aquariums and we just lie there and like watch that wow yeah nice. like just stuff to be like oh like uh, you know I'm thinking about something other than like sex or sexuality and I'm just sort of like coming back into my body and having no thoughts and just sort of experiencing the joy of subspace as it sort of gently fades away instead of just like rapidly back into the real world that's sort mm-hmm. of what aftercare is for
0: hmm. I'm trying to think of some other options. And again, like you said, it can be whatever regulates your nervous system, whatever makes you feel good. So heavy blankets for me, taking mm, a shower mm-hmm. or a bath.
1: hmm.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Going for a uh, walk. Some
1: people like to like wiggle it out and like have a little dance moment and like <laughs> shake it out of their body.
0: I do that between meetings. Sometimes Perfect. if the meetings are intense, I'm like, "All right, everyone, let's just have a wiggle." <laughs> <laughs> it's wiggle time. <laughs> yeah. Um, those are some great suggestions. Um, also, temperature change. Some of these are mm-hmm. kind of similar to if you're feeling like uh, really stressed or anxious, is like go splash some cold water or warm water on your face, or get some you know cold air, or fresh air, or like chew some candy, or you know eat a piece of fruit or something.
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that sort of like brings you back into your body. And mm-hmm. I've, I've heard it's something to do with the vagus nerve. Nerve just being yeah. like change temperature, like gets you into that parasympathetic area mm-hmm. of like, like the rest and digest instead of like being on.
0: Mm, I like that. So last listener question for this segment. Uh, what do you expect from a dominant? Are there dominants who have disappointed you? Um,
1: There have been people who... I've played with who play with kink who have disappointed me, who essentially use kink to um, like play act misogyny for fun. Um, Mm -hmm. And arguably that is not kink and that's not BDSM. Um, Mm BDSM happens from a place of mutual respect and um, consent and um, not having the informed consent of the other person enacting misogynistic scripts on you is disrupts the idea that it's consensual. Mm -hmm. So, Uh, Yeah, from a dominant, I expect um, respect and I expect to be seen as a person. And above all else, like they need to see my submission as a gift and a privilege that they are participating in, not something they get to just like take for fun.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Because it is, it's a gift and it's a privilege for them to get to be a dominant because. The presence of a sub is what makes that happen.
0: Mm -hmm. I like the uh, sentiment, and I don't know if you agree with it, and that's okay if you don't, but I always like the sentiment that the submissive is actually the one that's in charge because they Mm -hmm. get to say when stuff ends, and the top or the dominant is usually working for them or working with or on them. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, My dom
1: likes to say that the dom has their hands on the wheel, but the sub has their feet on the brakes. So the dom may be steering the action, but the sub gets to say whether it's going or not.
0: Ooh. Mm -hmm. Or the map. (laughs) They could be sharing the map, too. Like, where are we navigating this?
1: (laughs) And in my case, the map is upside down and I'm crying because I can't read a map, but <laughs>
0: <laughs> help me, daddy, read the map yes. for me. Exactly. Oh, I'm in, I'm in my
1: little sundress and I can't read a map. Please help. Mm-hmm. But I'm also very smart. But like right now I want to be treated in a
0: specific way. Oh, totally. Yeah. I like calling myself a stupid bitch sometimes when, oh, when I that just- the best? It's like yeah. such a relief. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like I'll just do something like, oh, silly me, that's over there. What a stupid bitch. You know, it, <laughs> and then like usually my friend around me or whoever- like, like chuckles awkwardly because they don't really know i'm like oh no this is for me this feels good to say um <laughs> yeah, well
1: for us maybe the phrase stupid bitch activates that rest and digest uh, parasympathetic nervous system so <laughs> that's ah. just what it does
0: ah yes um all right so let's take another break we'll come back and do one more question and then do some listener feedback and get some resources <laughs> Hey Elle, where did you train to be a sex educator? I went to instituteforsexuality.com. If you do not need to be asex certified, you can take their shorter program. It's new. It's called SWEET sexual wellness education and enlightenment training. It's about half the price of their regular program and you can do it at your own pace because it's all on demand. You can take it online. You can take one learning path at a time to make it more manageable financially. Go to instituteforsexuality.com and click on on demand programs. You can check out their other classes too. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. Thank you to our sponsors and find us on theytalksex.com. You're perhaps listening to this episode there or on Apple, SoundCloud, Spotify. Let us know how you found the show or if you have any guest suggestions or corrections for me, Elle, the person who hosts and produced the show, write to theytalksex at ProtonMail.com. And also, thanks, John, for being my editor All right. So we are speaking with Lena Dune, AKA ask a sub. You can find Lena on Instagram and Twitter at ask a sub and patreon.com forward slash ask a sub. So Lena, let's take another listener question. Uh, someone says, how do you feel about a one penis policy?
1: Yeah, this it's funny because I'm not um, an ethical non-monogamy or poly educator, but I do seem to disproportionately get this question a lot. And my best understanding of why is because I think that people have an understanding of the dom-sub community that may be a little bit off where they think that within this community, um, there, and this absolutely happens. So I'm not debating that, but there are situations where maybe there's a male dom and he has like, he has multiple female subs and those female subs aren't allowed to see anyone outside of that male dom. Um, and yeah, that does happen. Um, but like in the, in a broader sense, like in the poly community and in ethical non-monogamy, a one penis policy refers to like and you know speaking in super broad terms, usually a relationship with a cis man um, and a bisexual or pansexual cis woman, mm-hmm. um, and that cis man says, "Okay, well we can open up our relationship, but you're only allowed to be with other women," quote unquote, female and people my- is what they female mean. Female people, yeah, right? feminine like,
0: female people that are attracted right, to me. And-
1: Exactly. And my penis is the only penis that's allowed. And of course, immediately, like that is biphobic because it's supposing that the connections between women are less uh, threatening than connect and then a connection with another man. But then Mm -hmm. it also erases trans women or other people of other genders who have Mm -hmm. all kinds of different genitals. And like, it's just super, uh, weird to (laughs) to legislate your relationship from that angle. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, like, I think that it is definitely, um, really sad, um, when people are in a situation where they're already in a relationship, and they want to open it up, and then they find out that their partner is like, "Well, I'm only comfortable if you sleep with this type of person," and mm-hmm. that kind of comes from this biphobic, homophobic, maybe misogynistic kind of uninterrogated mm-hmm. background. Um, yeah, but agreed. then yeah, and that and that sucks. And I know people who are in those situations, and that mm-hmm. it, it it's like those partners who are legislating the amount of penises like those people are in a place where they really need to do some background work on why they feel that way and Mm -hmm. like why they think of people with vaginas as in like a lesser threat or inferior or whatever like that all is really serious but then um, equally almost I get feedback from people who are like I am in a relationship where it just so happens like for example a throuple where there's the gender split just happens to be one man and two women Mm -hmm. and those people in a scenario where that is consensual and that's what they want and like these are the specific human bodies that they fell in love with and that's what's going on Mm -hmm. those people can get a lot of backlash and hate from the poly and ethical non-monogamous community being like this must be a one penis policy this Mm -hmm. must be homophobic biphobic transphobic this must be coming from that place Mm -hmm. um that's unfortunate it sucks um you know like i'm thinking of um the writer lindy west who she wrote the book shrill and she's like oh yeah super hilarious, super cool yeah yeah, yeah and so yeah. she she and her husband just recently came out as um ethically non-monogamous and they have a third partner and that partner is female and the backlash Ugh, that no, lindy got really? was oh, insane no. like we're so mean amount- to her People are so and it's like it's never the same people. It's just whatever she's doing, people are super mean. But like people are, you know, in her comments, like, ew, this is a one penis policy, you're being taken advantage of. This person is like running roughshod over your desires, blah, blah, blah. And like that kind of concern trolling that comes from a more leftist space for me Mm -hmm. is really unfortunate because like those are just the people that fell in love. And like the 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 like genders involved just are what happened to those people. So, like, mm-hmm. we cannot look at every relationship and know from outside the window how it feels and what's going on. And and I'm just really hesitant to be like, any relationship with these genders in it is unethical because that is a very slippery slope that we've been trying to fight for generations. So, like, right? Yeah, that's just that's where I end up landing on it because I hear from both sides.
0: Yeah, thank you for explaining all that for folks who are Mm -hmm. not familiar with some of those issues. I think as a non-polyamorous person or uh, uh, non-consensual, non-monogamy person, you did a really good job. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, one thing I'd like to note is I am a polyamorous person. I go in and out of how I form relationship structure, Um, but we're calling it many of us are calling it consensual non-monogamy now instead of ethical non-monogamy because consensual Mm -hmm. explains that everyone knows what's going on
1: (laughs) yeah like everyone's aware
0: it's an open ish situation because ethical it's like what does that mean um yeah what are
1: ethics as related to sex right it's like a rabbit hole (laughs) right but
0: enm and cnm are essentially we're talking about the same thing um yeah people are so mean to lindy west uh
1: and they shouldn't be. And and I like full disclosure too. like I, you know, even though I don't educate about it or that's not my primary thing online, like I do have an open ish relationship where um, from outside the window, it's very alarming to people where my dom and I play um, exclusively with other subs um, and those subs tend to be women because that's just the way that the sexualities in the equation work out for, for my consent, what I like and what he likes And, um, people will, you know, do that concern trolling thing to me where they come into my DMs and they're like, if you're not fucking other male doms, then you are not a
0: feminist. And it's like, (gasps) whoa. You (laughs) need more penises inside you to be a feminist. Immediately. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So wait, do you, do you want any other penises? Like any other male Um, penises? uh,
1: Yeah. In terms of male penises, like that is not something that, um, just, like listen, like people can have sexual orientations without reasons and they can just have them, but like yeah. f- I have like a certain level of trauma around engaging in sexuality with men and particularly with men who um I who like in a more vanilla situation. So like I have invested this is just me talking for me. It's not yeah, me talking sure. for anyone else, but Absolutely. I have just invested such a high level of trust and reciprocity in my dom and our DS dynamic that I prefer to experience all sex within that dynamic. So the way that we do ethical non-monogamy is we're both present and our dynamic is in effect and it's been negotiated with a third partner because that's what makes us feel safe and happy mm-hmm. and like from the outside people are like oh no you're like you know chained to this horrible man who's forcing you to you know One do your penis relationship forever yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah
1: and I'm just like you know what actually like this is just the level of penises that I've consented to and like that's what I like. But like, again, like this whole conversation can very easily be interpreted as like, well, what about women with penises? Or what about people who of other genders? And it's like, that's not what I'm I'm trying to talk about. I'm not trying to say like, biologically, people must have a certain body type to be a woman like that is like, so far. Oh, no, I've I've never heard. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I haven't heard any of that from you. I mean, I think quite simply, it comes down to do you like the person the penis you chose yeah do you want to look for other penises no I'm good okay cool then you're happy you're not being forced Uh, at this time I feel
1: that I'm consensually engaging with the level of penises that I want but like (laughs) again that does not invalidate like that it is a very real and frustrating situation for like I know people who are like let's open up our relationship and then the you know the quote-unquote man you know who happens to have a penis you can fuck
0: girls (laughs) yeah and And so so can i like
1: yeah girls yeah (laughs) that's
0: that's the rub when it's like it's it's like a hetero it's hetero people or like yeah again a hetero man where he's like yeah i'll fuck other women and you can fuck other women and she's like well i don't like other women or i you know want to fuck men like i like men Mm -hmm. obviously and they're like nope you can fuck other women it's like that's not what i want
1: yeah, no, and it's super objectifying and weird or if it's a situation where it's like you can fuck another girl but only if I watch it, but it's like, mm-hmm. you know, in in my relationship, yes, I do happen to only fuck other girls while my partner is watching, but that's like not from a place of him being like perform your bias for my gaze. It's like me being like, "Um, daddy, can we please enact our beautiful ethical consensual dynamic with a third person who happens to be a girl?" And it's like there's a really big chasm between those things, and I just think like from the outside looking in, in like ENM circles or CNM circles, we need to like remember that like people are adults, and like you don't need to like pass an SAT to have consensual sex. Like mm-hmm. y- y- people can make decisions for themselves, and like legislating it from the outside in is like very much reenacting those kind of puritanical strips that were like all working against so Mm -hmm. you know just trust people i guess
0: Mm -hmm. and the one thing i'll bring up as someone who's again been in polyamorous relationships um i have opened relationships we have closed opened like i've done this in one marriage uh three boyfriends and i'm explaining to my new lover person that at some point i'm gonna want to fuck other people and that will include men with dicks and so um the way I've navigated before is like the only concern where I think a penis makes a difference is is pregnancy an issue? You
1: yeah. know, and how yeah. do we plan
0: for it? And that can, mm-hmm. that's something that, again, people should be considering and talking about if they're having multiple partners anyway. It's like, okay, if we're throwing another penis into the equation, you know, is there condoms? Is there birth control? Like, That's my only concern. And I think that's what some people get upset about is like sperm competition. Like, are you Mm going to knock up my girl? Mm -hmm. Are you going to stretch her out? And this is, again, from like fragility stuff.
1: Totally. And like, yeah, it's just, yeah, when it comes from that uninterrogated, like weird, like male lizard brain, like dominant society, (laughs) patriarchal bullshit, like for the person in a relationship with somebody doing that thing and who somebody who when confronted with hey this thing you're doing is like maybe not all that great or respectful of me like if people can't adapt their limits to things that like make sense from the external world or like see somebody with respect then it's just like well that person's not compatible with you and as an adult I would hope that you would be like well fuck you then I don't I'm not going to have you know sex with somebody who who doesn't see me in a way that I need to be seen and and that's what it's ends up being much more about than like forcing these people to change or or you know forcing people to change who don't need to change or like yeah I just think you know I'm in favor of limits but I'm very in favor of interrogated limits so it's like if people can interrogate their limits and be like I still am coming up with I don't want to have you know for me like I don't want to have other encounters with men mm-hmm. with penises like mm-hmm. that's my preference i've interrogated it i'm mm-hmm. i'm okay with it i'm at peace and i'm not missing anything then mm-hmm. i just need people from the outside to trust that that's like mm-hmm. my business and and i'm not being disrespected by my male partner who's like across the room drinking a cup of coffee and i'm like i don't want any more penises he's mm-hmm. like okay like <laughs> cease with the
0: penises yeah uh that makes sense so let's do some listener feedback i asked my followers on instagram at @stripperwriter my backup is at L underscore Stanger. Um, I said, submissives, what are you exploring or hoping to explore about your own sexuality? Someone says, how to be more dominant when it's my turn. Ooh. Mm. Someone says, being That's a old. good dog. <laughs>
1: I love the puppy people. Honestly, can I just say, like, (laughs) me too. What a great community! Like, when you don't know them, you're like, ooh, this is weird. But the moment you do, you're like,
0: you're a good puppy. I know. I feel like I'm. I'm like, I'm not a furry, and I'm not. I would never call myself a puppy like kinkster. But I feel like I'm. There's like a little puppy in there. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, There's stuff I I do. Wants to be
1: patted on the head. Like, (laughs) oh yeah.
0: And like, I wag and I, I sniff and I bork and yeah. Um. (laughs) Okay. Someone else says. I want to explore why I have such a desire to be submissive. Ooh. Mm. Someone says... Good reasons. I'm
1: guaranteeing in advance.
0: (laughs) This is a man. He says, I want to be the one to get tied for a change. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. Someone says, I want to explore how my desire to be told what to do in the bedroom impacts how I relate outside of it. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Spoiler alert. It'll help you have better boundaries everywhere else.
0: Wow. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Someone says, "I'm working on trust and hoping that I can feel seen, um, and will not feel like I'm being exposed." Mm. So that's something mm-hmm. that it's going to depend on the reciprocalness of your partner.
1: Totally, and like claiming that objectification, voyeurism, exhibitionism, space, and being perceived and. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I personally hate being perceived. So I love to have a blindfold on the whole time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I was just getting fisted last week. And I like I jokingly put the pillow over my head where I was like, I'm feeling shot because I was entirely naked. And he just gave me like, mm-hmm. his massage and like the wand was out. And I was like, I want you to fuck me. And we both knew if he did that, like he would have come too soon. So instead he fisted me first, which was fucking mm-hmm. amazing. But I remember I put the pillow over my head because I was like, I'm feeling shy and I don't want you to see me.
1: <laughs> this is where all
0: this stuff lives where it's like, well, I'm, I am being fisted, but I'm shy about it. Okay. So yeah. like, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. My butthole's in your face and my pussy's swallowing your hand, but like, don't look at me. <laughs>
1: but I'm a little baby about it.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm a little puppy about it. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, someone else says they are learning to communicate their desires with their partner of 10 years who is not sexually adventurous. Whew. Sounds tricky. Glad yeah, we don't have to go into that one right now because I don't have the yeah. energy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Deep exhale. Um, someone else says, I want to work on leaning in more and letting go of things like performance and appearance anxieties.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, that's what the, the pillow over your head does is, yeah. you know, <sighs> like to let go.
0: Oh, last one. Someone says, I am hoping to explore calm slash blank thoughts, that moment when I forget everything except the DOM and the instructions.
1: Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. subspace, aka yeah. subspace. Yeah.
0: So real quick, um, what are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? I always, always mention Jay Wiseman's um, SM, oh my God, what the hell is the book called? SM 101.
1: SM 101. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of great books out there. Um, I have like a list of them on my Instagram, just it, it's, you know, yes. non exhaustive, of course, but um, books are great. Um, the thing to keep in mind about books is that they are published uh, and they are frozen in time at the time they came out. So, yep. like books that we consider essential, like the new topping and bottoming books, um, will have things that don't hold up to today's standards because they were published like
0: 30 20, 30 years, years ago. ago. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
1: um, so, as you're doing research, just remember that like your internal feelings about this stuff matter equally to the subject matter. So like if you're like, "Ooh, that weirds me out. It's not like you need to get comfortable with that. It's like your kink just doesn't include that thing. Mm -hmm. Or that Um, term
0: is no longer being used.
1: Right. um, Yeah.
0: So that's relevant. Yeah. Take what you need and leave the rest. Yeah.
1: Thousand percent. And yeah, and Instagram has been really wonderful for this stuff, too, just to like have visibility for other ways of approaching kink. And um, even like photographers who do um, kink stuff, like just being able to sort of project different types of bodies into kink scenarios that maybe look more like yours, like people who photograph people across the gender spectrum um, in all kinds of roles. Like someone I'm thinking of is my friend um, Alex Kacha, who does like just at Alexander Kacha does just beautiful um DS and kink photography and like that was a really big point for me to be like wait like this can look like that like it can look like soft and sensual and sparkly which is like my Mm -hmm. aesthetic and like see that there's space for me like yeah aesthetically curate your feed and and then it's like easier to sort of see yourself as having agency in this world Mm
0: -hmm. I love that all right and I did just look at your book list and there is quite a lot so yeah go to (laughs) instagram.com Ask a sub and there is a highlights link. It says books. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And okay. so one last thing I like to ask all of my guests besides all of the info you just gave us. Do you have any last sex tips for our audience? Um,
1: Number one sex tip coming from a uh, filthy, dirty, um, crazy submissive that, you know, I just use a bunch of stigmatized words to (laughs) reflect how society feels about me. But like from somebody who's living on the fringe, schedule your sex And talk about it in advance. Be like, we are going to do these things on this date, in this sequence. How do you feel about it? Let's check in at the time. Let's do these things as planned. Because planning does not make sex worse. It makes it better. And a lot of people think that, oh, my God, if I talk about it, then it ruins the element of surprise. And uh, the element of surprise is not always the sexiest metric. It's more about getting what you need. And if you're going to talk about it, you might be more likely to get what you need.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. That is never – I've never heard that advice before from a guest on the show, and I like it. And some people, a light bulb just went off, and for other folks, they're like, no. Nah. And that's – again, take what you yeah. need and leave Totally fine,
1: but try Ooh. putting it on the calendar and seeing how it feels to know that, like – you know, something really exciting is coming next Wednesday after your shitty work
0: day. <laughs> I only, I again, people who listen to this show know this. I'm sorry I complained, but the person I am having sex with, the only one I'm interested currently in having sex with. So again, polyamorous people will be like, oh, you're monogamous right now. Okay, sure. Yeah, fine. I'm being monogamous right now. Um, <laughs> how dare I uh, choose what works for me after my last partner died. Um, and then oh. another one of my friends died both by suicide last year. So it's been a rough fucking year. So yeah, I'm opening Fuck. up slowly. Right. Um, so How the rude one- of
1: you to do it at your own pace. I <laughs> know.
0: So the one person I sleep with uh, these days lives two hours away. So if we're going to have mm-hmm. sex, we know that in advance because he's got to drive here. So we plan it a week ahead of time. And it's so fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, my God, it's almost Friday night. It's almost Friday night. It's almost Friday <laughs> night. Maybe <laughs> I'll get fisted. Best. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. And then you know you know what your fisting outfit's going to be. You know what yeah. music to listen to that day. You get all excited. You Where's know, the you put loop? on your smells. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cute. Okay. Thank you, Lena Dune, so much. Congratulations on your recent nuptials to your oh, 24 seven dominant. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. Uh-huh. Gone from sub to wife to wife sub. It's uh it's an important um, apotheosis for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everyone find her on Instagram and Twitter at ask a sub and then find us online. They talk sex.com. Please rate or review this episode. That helps more people find us. All right, Lena. I'll see you on the internet.
1: See you on the internet.
0: Until next time. Lots of us know to grab a towel when we're on our period for period sex, but what if you could just get the layer? Try getthelayer.com because it's not just a sex blanket. It's great for not ruining sheets, bedding, furniture, whether you're on your period, whether you're a squirter, whether you're just trying to be polite. It's black. It's discreet. You can get 10% off when you getthelayer.com and use the code L-E-L-L-E all caps my name try it out let me know how you like it it is my travel companion get the layer.com